copyrighted program created by the Rio Grande Oil Company. Los Angeles Police calling all cars, attention all cars, broadcast 98. Check all construction jobs in your district for missing dynamite. Any information for Captain Wolf or the Arson Bureau of the Fire Department. That's all. Rolls and questions. Another one. 
It's in the while away theater across the street. Turn in the alarm, will you, Sarge? And I'll get right over there. Okay. Your move, Eddie. You're crazy. It's your move. Now, wait a minute. Didn't you just move that piece over there to here? I did not. Now, look, I don't want to seem nasty about this, but it's your move. Well, if that's the only way you can beat me, I wash my hands of the whole game. Cheaters never part. Are oh, you calling me a cheater? I'm telling you that it's your move, and what's more... Hey, wait a minute. Four. Four. Six. Six, that's it. It's a goal, boys. Exactly. 
And now the thing to do is to find the proprietor of this place and see what he has to say. What's your name? George Stimley. You're the proprietor of the store in the Wilder Theater building? That's right. What kind of a business do you conduct there? Well, ice cream, parlor, delegation, and the lunchroom. What nationality are you, Stanley? Polish. Stanley, your right name? Well, my whole name is Stan Stotsky, but I change it to Stanley so the people in this country could pronounce it. I see. And are you a citizen of the United States or here on passport? Passport. You realize, don't you, that the reason we're questioning you is to clear up a situation which surrounds the attempted burning of a building where your business is located? Yes, sir. And do you realize that you're suspected of being one of the men implicated in it? Well, I may be suspected. Why not? Well, now, when did you first get to the scene of the fire? Well, my amendment brought me about 5 o'clock. And when you arrived there, did you go in your store? No, sir. Tell me, Stanley, how do you lock your place when you go home? Always from the back. I turn the key in the back door and then leave to the front here. When you close that back door, lock, did you put anything against it? No, sir. And whose shoes did we find behind it? I ain't got no shoes there. Uh, whose shoes might they be? I don't know. Have you anyone working for you? Yes. Abel Finley. Did he have a key to the store? No, not even my wife has a key. Only me. Now, how do you explain the fact that in your store we found gasoline on the floor and in a barrel out in back of the porch? And dynamite on the cash register, behind the jars on a shelf and in the icebox. Totaling 76 sticks with caps and fuses. I can't say. I don't know anything about them. Does it mean anything to you that we found that the window in your store that was jimmied with the same tool that was used to cut a hole in your back door? And that the tool we found was one that was found in your house? A meat cleaver found in your kitchen? Tell you I don't know anything about it. All right, you can go now, Stanley. There's a few things I want to check on before I ask anything more than you. In the meantime, I think if I were you, I'd think it over and see if there isn't something you've forgotten. Allowing Stanley time to think things over in silence, Captain Cato has numerous witnesses brought before him. The result of the investigation, now. Now, would you tell me exactly what you saw, Mr. Gantler? Well, my wife and I awakened at the first explosion. He looked across the street. He lived right opposite the theater building. My wife said, look, John, the theater's on fire. Yeah, I jumped up and looked out the window. Sure enough, flames were shooting out of the skylight on the top of the building. Well, I was just about to get dressed and go over when I saw a man come running out from behind the building and run down the alley. You get a good look at this man? Well, I couldn't see his features, but I, I know he was a stocky fella. He's about five feet seven or so, and he was running like the very devil. Well, thank you, Mr. Gaffer. I appreciate your coming to me with this information. It might help a lot. that George Stanley never had a car before. But the last five days, he's been driving around in a Ford sedan. It seems mighty funny to me. <laughs> then, of course, I never would have mentioned a word about it, excepting for this fire thing, and you're suspecting him of having done it and all. I hope you won't think me a busybody, Mrs. Taylor. Oh, no, not at all, Mrs. Mrs. Waller, Edith Waller. Well, Mrs. Waller, I'm glad you brought this up. It's a very important point, and thank you. Oh, that's all right. Thank you. Thus, from the testimony of many witnesses, the finger of guilt points more accurately at George Stanley every moment. Meanwhile, Captain Enos, battalion chief of the Los Angeles Fire Department, makes his report. 
After thoroughly investigating the aspects of this case, it is my conviction that George Stanley and Abel Finley, employed by Stanley, attempted to burn this building. What's been done about locating the Stanley man? Every police station in all the surrounding towns has been notified to be on the lookout for him. We have a tip that he might be in Tijuana for a couple of boys who've gone down there. He knows this man's got to be born before we can do a thing to Stanley. Every piece of evidence we have against him is purely circumstantial. You know what the court will do in that case? Yes, yes, yes. Throw the whole thing out. And we can't let that happen. Now, there's only one of two things we can do. Find Finley or get Stanley to talk. Officers from the Los Angeles Police Department and from the arson squad search through Tijuana, but not once did they catch sight of the missing Finley. Meanwhile, in the office of Captain Wolf. Stanley, how do you explain the fact that your helper disappeared so suddenly after the fire? I don't know anything about him. In other words, Stanley, you deny having anything to do with this case. Well, of course I do. How much insurance did you have in your property? Well, about $9,000 worth, including the fixtures. You think this will cover the loss? I don't know. I haven't been able to see how much damage was done, but I imagine it will. Have you ever handled any explosives before? I have never handled any explosives at all. Ever have a gun? No. Hey, I don't know what you're driving at, but I tell you I don't know anything about this fire, and you can't make me say I do. You're getting mighty hot under the collar for a fellow that hasn't done anything, Stanley. I was only asking you some routine questions. Will I get all nervous with you pumping all this stuff at me? You think I was a criminal? You might be at that. What's this? Never mind, Stanley. I think you heard me well enough. Once again, Stanley has returned to his cell, and Captain Wolf carries on his investigation. Everything seems to point to Stanley, but nothing definite to be pinned upon him. No actual piece of evidence strong enough to convince a jury. Then a week after the fire, one of the officers assigned to the investigation returned from San Diego with a companion. Captain Wolf, this is Mr. Carrillo. How do you do, Mr. Carrillo? Will you sit down? Thank you. This officer tells me that you had some dynamite stolen from your outfit down in San Diego. That right? That's right. Why didn't you report this to the police when you discovered it? Well, uh, you see, I was afraid to report it because I was uh, afraid that if you want to find out, I get fired. Didn't it strike you that it might be pretty dangerous to have all that dynamite floating around loose? I don't think of that. I was only afraid to pull my job. When did this happen? Uh, on uh, June uh, 15th, sometime in the evening. Have any ideas who did it? No, uh, only uh, one of my men saw a car hanging around the afternoon. He told me about it, but I don't think anything of it uh, until next day when I find the explosive missing. Uh, then, uh, as I say, I was afraid to report it. What kind of a car was it? A Ford sedan. Did the man see how many people were? That's too many, say. Uh, when he go up to speak to them, uh, they stop the car and drive away. You realize, don't you, that this is a very serious thing you've done. I'm reporting the theft as soon as you discovered it. If we'd have known this earlier, we might have had the guilty parties in custody by now. I know, Captain. Honest, Captain. I, I don't think anything about it when it happened. I was too frightened. Well, no, he's trying over still to know. The first thing we've got to do is check every rental lot and find who rented a Ford sedan on that day. You're the manager? If I am, I'm trying to find out who rented a Ford sedan on or about June 15th. Keep records of this sort of thing? Yeah, certainly. But there'll be an awful lot of trouble to find out unless you know the name of the party. That's going to be too 
bad, then, because I'm going to find out. And if it takes all day, you and me are going over the book until we do. But they feel easier for me yet. Maybe this will help. You see those bags? Oh, uh, uh, Tupper. Uh, but certainly we can look through the book. Yeah, it's a pleasure. If you'll come into my office. All right. Uh, have a seat. Uh, cigar? Sure. <laughs> Don't mind if I do. I, I, I got the book right here. Now, now. Now, when did you say it was you one didn't know about? June 15th. Right around there. Let me see now. May. Here we are. June 12th, 13th, 16th. How about it? See anything like it? Places, Ford Roots. Wait a minute. Did you say a Ford sedan? Yeah. Here's one that ended on the Pentateuch. It's the only Ford sedan we got. How long is it out? Let it see, from the 10th till the morning of the 17th. Ah, that's just about right. You got any way of giving me a description of the party who ran it? Yeah, I remember him. His name, he said, was Zygmunt. Zygmunt? What'd he look like? Well, as I remember, he had a bum arm. But he seemed to be able to drive all right. And he had a driver's license. Leaving the address? Yeah, yes, right in the book. 25, 26, Stumple Street. All right, that's the baby we want. How far has the car been driven? Let's see. Out at 31,000, in at 31,650. Hmm, it's got a bit of mileage for one week's driving, isn't it? Yeah, quite a bit. But when people ain't charged, they seem to drive more than they would their own. <laughs> I guess they want to get their money's worth or something. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's right. Well, thanks a lot. Well, you've been a great help. Sure, anything to help the law. If, if you ever want to rent a good car, don't forget this place. We got the best prices in town. <laughs> okay, partner, I'll remember that. Well, goodbye. Call again. What'd you drive in that rented Ford sedan, Sammy? What? I don't know what you're talking about. You mean you didn't want a Ford car on June 10th and keep it seven days? I did not. The Sunday? I don't know. I didn't see it. But your neighbors tell me, tell you right in London one for about a week before the fire. It's all I'll frame up, I tell you. I never had a fall. I'm going to explain the fact that there was a false sedan answering the description of one you were seen right again right up on June 10th. It's the address of your place of business. I don't know. Maybe Jimmy rented it, but I didn't. All right, Sammy. Go right ahead and deny the whole thing about it. And they all tell you this. We're building a pretty good case against you. Very shortly, we're going to have enough to bring you into court. When you do, you're going to have an awful lot of things to explain away, and that's not going to be too easy. Expecting the description of the man who rented the car with descriptions of the missing Finley, police are certain that the two are the same man. However, nothing possible is found that can link Stanley with the actual crime. Witnesses are questioned, only to say that the man they saw leaving the scene of the fire might have been Stanley, but they can't be sure. The workman from San Diego, who saw the two men in the Ford, is questioned. He says he thinks he can identify them, but isn't positive. Every piece of evidence in, every clue run down, Captain Wolf, Chief Enos, and Assistant Captain Detective Cato meet in Captain Wolf's office to discuss their plans before bringing the case to trial. Stanley's guilty as the devil. We all know that. I'm skeptical about our securing the conviction on the evidence we had. And I'd be on that face if we had Finley, but he seems to have completely disappeared off the face of the earth. I've had men on his tail ever since the fire, but so far we haven't even gotten one good lead. His neighbors from San Diego can positively identify Stanley, and with Stan, you've got a good chance. He's 
turns out to be another I think so, Artis. What do you think, Peter? You even got to get some mayor. Did he go to court with what he's got? There's no choice. He can't hold Stanley forever on a speaking charge. He's either guilty and he goes free. But it's got to be one or the other. All right. I guess all we can do is to take a chance and hope that the jury sees the case in the right light. I hate to think of this guy getting off scot free. Well, you know these juries. I don't know why it is, but for some unknown reason, they seem to consider arson a very funny thing. I don't understand just what they think it is. But I found that most juries have to have absolute proof in an arson case that they just laugh it off as much as to say, go ahead and burn down another building. They like they have a fire sign. And it's almost that bad, isn't it? Well, we can only hope that this time we'll get a jury made up of people who realize how serious a fire can be. July 20th, 1926. Department 22 of the Superior Court. Judge Robert Keats presiding. Now, Mr. Freeze, as 
The man you saw running across that vacant lot directly after the explosion killed something like this man? Mm. Yes, yes, I say he was. In fact, Mr. Green, this could be the same man. Not your honor, the culture is being the well, I'll phrase your question a little differently. Mr. Chief, could this be the same man? I believe it could. Not at all. Thank you, Mr. Free. I'd like to talk to him a little bit. Very well. You say you believe it. Now, Mr. Free, just why do you say you believe it? Why, uh... Isn't it because you're not sure? Is it because you know for a fact that due to the darkness of the night, it would be impossible for you to see this man well enough to say, is this a man? Why, I suppose to a certain degree that is so. Thank you, Mr. Cleese. That will be all. I should like to call Mr. Heaver's elder to the stand. You're telling me, sir, the statement you're about to make in this court to the police, the whole truth, and the liberty for the job. I do. Evidence leaves no hope for a conviction and asks 
but the case be dismissed. Thus, through the sympathy of nine women, George Stanley, alias Grigor Stanislavski, is free to continue in business until such a time as his accomplice, Abel Finley, is found and brought to trial. Then, and only then, will the truth be revealed. Good night for the Rio Grande Oil Company.